When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hello again, I am Gabe Gonzalez, and you are listening to the QWERTY Podcast. Hopefully you knew that, and if you didn't, welcome. This is a weekly show from QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I'll be covering news, politics, pop culture, whatever is impacting the LGBTQ plus community this week, and I will invite a guest uh, to come hang out a little bit, reflect on the week, and just generally keep it cute. Those are our three mandates here. That's it. That's all I want to get done. This week's headlines include some chaotic and encouraging stories, including a different kind of royal announcement, why you should be paying attention to school board elections like yesterday and the bisexual couch that has divided the LGBTQ community right at the end of Pride. We've also got an incredible guest on the show, actress, singer, activist, a beloved force in the New York nightlife community, a Drag Race season nine runner-up, the sweet and sublime Peppermint is here to talk to us about her new single, the second annual Black Queer Town Hall event, and what it feels like to be, in my opinion, the best Britney on Drag Race. You can debate with yourself about that. But first, uh, we are going to get to these headlines in a quick roundup of my favorite stories from the week we like to call catch her up our first headline of the week the BET Awards might have been the gayest night on TV this week. Uh, Lil Nas X performed a single Montero and kissed one of his dancers on stage, a move that surprised some people who clearly hadn't seen the music video where he lap danced on the devil. There was also Queen Latifah who won a Lifetime Achievement Award and thanked her partner Ebony Nichols as well as their son Rebel before ending her speech by wishing viewers a happy pride. I'm sure a very welcome announcement to anybody who has been following her career. And you know, I don't think anybody ever owes us answers, but I am very happy to see somebody kind of own who they are publicly and hopefully provide a role model and somebody to look up to for so many young queer black youth. And we also saw celebrities like actress MJ Rodriguez as a presenter and blogger B. Scott in attendance. Now, all of this comes a year after journalist Amara Jones called the BET Network transphobic for pulling an ad spot last minute from their 2020 awards in which Jones spoke out about violence against trans women. Actress Angelica Ross echoed the same frustration when Jones spoke up. And this is actually B. Scott's first appearance at the BET Awards since 2013 when they were abruptly pulled from a red carpet hosting gig over how they were dressed. Hopefully seeing these celebrities not just included in clips, but centered as performers and presenters signals a new era for the network's annual event, and one that echoes the needs of Black LGBTQ viewers who have been watching for years while pushing for change. So I'll chalk that up as some really great news this week. It was really amazing to see all of these incredible performances and people having an incredible time. That was lovely. Our second headline of the week is maybe not so exciting, but something I think is important to talk about. Um, we have to address how transphobes are trying to take over school boards. We've talked on the podcast before about transphobic laws that are impacting public schools now they're being passed at the state level. But anti-LGBTQ conservatives are taking the fight even more locally. On QWERTY's sister site, LGBTQ Nation, this week, writer John Gallagher focused on, quote, what's getting much less attention than even these state laws, the rights focus on attending and running for election to school boards. Groups like the Family Research Council, designated a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, have been reaching out to their followers this year, invoking what they call over-the-top LGBTQ lessons or racism promoted as racial justice 
this happening in schools to get people to attend what they call a school board boot camp, where they can influence what's happening or learn how to influence what's happening in public schools at the most local level. Look, we know Republicans, specifically their far-right members and donors of Deep Pockets, have been making a concerted effort since losing the gay marriage fight to wage a culture war against queer and trans kids because it gets their bigoted voters riled up. But beyond donating to the organizations we support or retweeting uh, the people we agree with, we've also got to pay attention to local elections in our states, cities, and counties. Think about who we're voting for. Think about who we're pushing, who's already in office when it's not time to vote. And think about those school board elections that are often overlooked way down ballot and could have a day-to-day impact on queer and trans youth. Finally, a story that's perhaps a mixture of good and bad news. It it was certainly divisive, let's say that. Ikea made some very ugly furniture for a very good cause, and naturally, the internet is having a moment. A couch released as part of the company's Love Seat collection during Pride was summarily dragged just before the month was over. Sorry to this couch. The collection included different Love Seat designs inspired by different affinity flags, like the lesbian flag, the trans flag, the two-spirit flag, and the bisexual flag. The bisexual flag couch is the one making waves. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, take a moment now, maybe to look it up. It's fine if you pause and you want to come back because it is a lot. It is a couch featuring magenta, purple, and blue, like the bisexual flag, with hands all over it, which is a strong color scheme and a strong design choice, but it also features a selection from a poem inscribed on part of the couch, which reads, when you change and to or, no one believes you, which sounds like a cryptic word puzzle. But what is figuring out your sexuality if not that? Some people call the hands creepy, while others said the line referencing erasure on the couch felt appropriate for commemorating bisexuality, but the design was inspired by a poem written by a slam poet named Brian who took to Twitter to clarify. He said the original full line is, it's okay to love boys or girls, but when you change or to and, nobody believes you. And he mentioned that he wrote the poem 10 years ago when he was like 15, but he still wants people to hear it or see it on a multicolored couch covered in hands. I don't know. At the end of the day, maybe this is like an ugly sweater from a relative you deeply love. You can cherish it because it has sentimental value while also realizing it is ugly, or at the very least, not for you. All right. Honestly, it looks a little bit like a crime scene on Blue's Clues. It maybe looks like the ghosts haunting Nicole Kidman and the others finally came out. And no matter where you sit, a hand is cupping your butt, although that might not be a a bad thing if that's up your alley. (laughs) Um, So there you go. Take a look at this couch, relish in these bold color and design choices, and give that poem a read. The very least we can do is give this young poet a a little bit more shine now that this couch has gotten so much unwanted attention. All right, those are our three stories of the week, which means that now it is time to bring on our next guest. Today's guest is a performer, musician, drag artist, Broadway star, and soon the judge of a new reality show featuring drag artists called Mother of the House that you can watch soon on Out TV. She was a runner-up on Drag Race Season 9, originated her role in Broadway's Head of Her Heels, and for the second year in a row now, has co-hosted the Black Queer Town Hall Pride event, a nonprofit event and organization she leads alongside Bob the Drag Queen, committed to celebrating Black queer excellence. She also just released a lovely summer single titled Here For It, which you should listen to immediately after finishing this podcast or now if you want to come back. Please welcome to the podcast, Peppermint. How are you? Thank you so much for making time today. I know it is. I don't know if you're in New York, but it's a hot, muggy day over here. So I appreciate anyone coming out. Yes, I am. It's (laughs) been a hot, muggy week, uh, but I'm feeling it. And I'm, as you just said, I'm here for it with you. Um, Anyone else, I'd be like, cancel everything, close it all (laughs) off. But I'm so excited to be with you, Gabe. Thank you so much. It means a lot. I also saw the music video for Here For It, which is truly perfect for this weather. Honestly, I wish I looked as sun-kissed and effortless in a pair of jean shorts out in the sun. I don't know how you pulled it off. Not in this weather, not me. 
Uh-uh. Yeah, it's my first LA music video. I, I mean, the song is lately I'm on this sort of 90s throwback kick w- musically. And so I wanted to do a uh, Los Angeles music video. I've never shot a music video in Los Angeles before. I'm like, let's do it. Let's fly to LA and get <laughs> in the sun. Los Angeles is not my, it's not the place. A lot of people think I live there, but no, I just go and shoot music videos there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> honestly, the best star doing it. No, I, I think a lot of people think the Drag Race Queens just moved to Los Angeles, that every Drag Race contestant has always moved to Los Angeles as soon as mm-hmm. they're done. <laughs> it's nice New York managed to hold on to you. Thanks for staying. Yeah, <laughs> we recently lost Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange in the same year, and that's fine. Um, to not, we didn't recently lose them. No, I know. We yeah. lost them oh, to Lo- <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> They're still alive. Thank you, though. The the video was a lot of fun to shoot. We threw it together in a very quick amount of time. And our director, Byron, uh, was wonderful and so sweet. And and I really love this song in the video. So people should check it out. It's It was a bit of a departure because I've been in this um, very heady relationship space, focusing on my other project, uh, Letters to My Lovers. And so we wanted to take a break. And I was like, let's do something that's a little bit more just kind of lighthearted for Pride and for the summer. And so that's, that's what we came up with. Yes, giving us a little summer bop. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you you know, you did mention that your projects tonally, uh, even the ones now, Letters to My Lovers, and, and this one here for it is, they're, they're tonally very different. A lot of people say they're like a chameleon, but I truly feel like you are. Uh, like, I remember Bianca came on here a little bit ago, and she was like, oh, I know Peppermint uh, from way back when because of like theater and nightlife. And the other day, my boyfriend showed me a podcast that you were on with Trisha Rose and Cornell West, where Trisha Rose was like, I know you from your music. I feel like everybody you ask is like, oh, I know Peppermint from this different, you know what I mean? I, and I, I love that. I just love that everybody's got a different way they know Peppermint, but they know Peppermint. <laughs> well, good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see some people, uh, it's working for some folks. You know, there was a, a while ago, especially like the day and age that I came up in in entertainment, you, you're supposed to pick a lane mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to, you know, um, be an actor and a singer and, a, you know, just like several many things, you know. I've just always had a passion for the different areas and, you know, uh, and also now advocacy and, and, and activism. Uh, there's a lot of these issues that are front and center now that weren't front and center 10, 20 years ago. And so there were less, a lot less opportunities to talk about them and a lot less people to talk about them with. But yeah. now that there are, it's really provided some great opportunities for me to fully engage all of my talents, the many arms of my career. And so we'll see. And then the good news is I'll be able to fall back on something. You know, <laughs> I was also a waitress, right? And so if that if all else fails, I can go back to, to waiting tables and serving. <laughs> So I feel like I was just hearing Johnny Sibili talk about his his waiting days as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, all the best talents right now, they'll put in the work in the service industry. Tip your waiters well. Yeah. Tip your waiters. Hello. Thank you. Even the service that you're like, this was terrible, just give them 20%. Come They're on, doing yeah. their best. Just, they really are. You can let them know that they messed it up, but you you can read them, but be like, but here's your money. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We need that balance, right? You're going to win the $10,000 at the end of the lip sync, but you're going to go through a few trials and tribulations first. Oh, uh, yeah. There's also this project that I, I know is in very early stages. I've just heard about, I don't know how much you can say about it, but it's called Call Me Mother and you're going to be one of the judges. And what I love about what I do know about it is that it seems like there are young, talented folks being mentored by older, more experienced performers. So what can you tell us about the show, what's coming up and your role as a judge on it? Yeah, well, the show, it premieres on OutTV 
this fall. It was filmed in Canada. uh, So I had the opportunity to see some wonderful Canadian talent in front of and behind the camera. I'm I'm co-hosting with Crystal from RuPaul's Drag Race UK and also Barbada, who is a staple in the um, Canadian drag scene. And so we, the three of us are the judges and mothers of these drag children who are in our drag houses. And each week, obviously it's a competition. So each week they compete for the cash prize and a mother has to send one of her children home every week. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite dramatic and it gets dramatic. But the great thing about the show is that one of the things that drew me to the show is that they wanted to focus on different types of drag entertainers and all different identities. And so there's trans folks, there's drag kings or drag queens, there's non-binary drag performers, who, like the performers who perform non-binary drag, or I guess in a sort of androgynous type of drag. And then, of course, the entertainers themselves, some are trans, some aren't, some are, are also non-binary themselves. It's just beautiful to see drag sort of honored in a, in this way that isn't so limited. And I know that there are some mainstream audiences that are going to need some catching up. You know, they're going to have to be like, well, how do we figure this out? Hopefully this show will let people see that all of these things are possible, you know, that hmm. that many different types of drag performers belong. And so I can't wait for folks to see it. We actually just wrapped and just finished filming it. Oh, wow. It's great. <laughs> oh my god i'm so happy that things are happening and i love that you're like bopping over to la bopping to canada coming back to new york <laughs> we're busy it's it happened pride month it really did it got it got really wild the gigs mm-hmm. the shows they were almost i don't know if you were in new york for this last pride weekend but we were i don't know spoiled for choice it was almost too many things happening <laughs> i i heard i heard honey i heard um no i was here but i actually didn't even leave my damn house because I, you know, I wanted to stay safe. Um, I, uh, no, I, I was, we were doing Black Queer Town Hall. And so I didn't really leave my house. um, And so I was uh, certainly having, I was envious of all the folks out able to go and shop around. I identify as a straight woman, even though I'm part of the queer community, obviously. And so my partners don't identify generally as like queer or gay, but even they were like aware of like how much buzz there was happening and how many people, how many new people there were (laughs) in the um, (laughs) area. And so, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy because you know what, to be honest with you, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this fall chapter is going to be looking with these new Delta variants, darling. And so get it while you can, honey, you know, don't throw your mask away. I do feel like that's, you know, I think part of the, I, I don't know, my thinking at least was like, I'm naturally a homebody. There have been many prides where I've just like spent them on a roof with some friends, gone out to the local bar we love, seen a great queen mm-hmm. and just called it a night early. So some years you do that. But I think part of it is, you know, sort of this, this not maybe knowing what it could look like next year in the fall. I don't, I don't know. And so I think part of it was that for me, but it was also that eagerness to get paid to perform again. It had been so long. And I was like, I have 10 minutes of new stand up if anybody wants to, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Hawking my wares, taking what I can get right now. But it was a, it was really nice. It was just nice to be in community for a little bit, no matter how, how messy or loud it was, I think. But Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I agree. So I do want to take a very quick break. and we come back, I want to talk about the Black Queer Town Hall and uh, ask you a few more questions. But we're going to take a very quick break and we will be right back. (music) 
And we are back on the QWERTY podcast with Peppermint. I am your host, Gabe Gonzalez. If you've reached this point in the podcast and you don't know who we are yet, you've got some rewinding to do, but welcome back. How dare you, darling? How, How very dare you? How could you? <laughs> we have talked about some incredible projects Peppermint has upcoming that have already released. You can listen to the single here for it. If you have not yet, you can soon see the show Call Me Mother, in which she is a judge and mother of a house on Out TV. But I want to talk about an event that is in its second year, the Black Queer Town Hall's Pride event that you co-host with Bob. Uh, the Black Queer Town Hall is, if I understand correctly, a nonprofit that you all started to sort of uplift Black queer voices to kind of educate and spread knowledge. And you bring on such an interesting variety of guests. You've got these incredible panels. Um, you've got some really great drag performers. Keisha Carr is the first person who put it on my radar. Truly love her. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in, in sort of the genesis of this event because I, I really feel like even in its first year, I heard so many folks talking about it and this year as well. So I'm wondering how it kind of started with you and Bob and how you feel about sort of the attention this event has been getting and the sort of community it's drawn together. Wow. Well, I feel great. Yeah. Black Queer Town Hall, for those that don't know, it's a, um, it's a virtual event. It started as a... Well, um, let me set the stage. Let mm-hmm. me set the stage. Last year, 2020, there was a lot going on. As we know, we were in the pandemic and there were a lot more conversations happening about happening around racial um, equality. And um, the good thing is that these conversations were happening, but the bad thing, and I'm sure that there's lots of people of color um, who, who can attest to this. I certainly can. The bad part is there was a lot, I felt a lot more pressure to participate and sort of be a part-time teacher, a part-time, you know, teacher on race theory and I'm not qualified I mean I can't say I'm unqualified but you know that's not my job and there were there having these personal conversations is one thing with people and friends in our personal circles but then we noticed that like corporations realized that in order to participate in whatever was going to be happening last year be they prides or whatever they were going to have they needed to address this component that was circling at the top of all of the news cycles and so a lot of like these fortune 500 corporations were like, can you come and talk to our all-white employees about what it's like to be a black person, and we're not going to pay you, and it's three Uh -uh. hours. What? And we're like, well, damn, how are we going to, you know, like, I guess we better do it, because you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to learn any other way. And so we did a lot of that, and Bob and I were exhausted come, you know, mid-June between watching these videos and seeing the headlines about how many murders there are of transgender, black transgender women, and watching these videos of black men, unarmed black men being gunned down or hurt but killed by the police between that and then having to go and sit in this like corporate virtual zoom chat and educate them and allow them to ask their like you know innocent but ignorant questions to learn it was just like too much you know and so we wanted to have a moment where we could celebrate black queerness and black joy black queer joy black queer um, talent and we wanted to just give black queer folks a place where they could say what they wanted to say be how they wanted to be without feeling like we were working for free for these white corporations to be very frank. And so that's where it all came from. We just wanted to focus on those things. And so we got a bunch of uh, performers and we wanted to have some conversations. And so there's performances, conversations, there's speeches. We have a keynote speaker, if you will, who was a person that we honored last year, Dr. Angela Davis. And we got all these folks together. We were able to raise money to pay for all of this because it's not free. 
We also wanted to hire as many Black queer folks behind the scenes, editors. We had like seven editors. Yes. You yeah. know, pr- uh, producers and segment producers, just like I was, I was like a TV station. I mean, it really, it looks like a televised <laughs> event. The production value is off the charts. And I'm like, this exactly as it should be. But I'm sure, I was like, I'm sure this isn't free. <laughs> like, No, and yeah. so it costs a lot of money. So we raised money, over $275,000 oh, wow. last year to put on the event. And um, and then also a portion of that went to charity for to the Okra Project, which people should look up. And so then that was last year. It was a three-day virtual event and it was free on, and it was in partnership with NYC Pride and GLAAD. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an it was an official NYC Pride event, uh, but it was, you know, anybody could watch it anywhere and it was free. And then GLAAD was one of our partners. And so uh, we had support from all over the community, individuals, uh, folks with large platforms, and then many companies and corporations. And so we decided that we wanted to do it again this year. Uh, there were definitely some challenges getting our nonprofit status. It's just not easy. Now I now I know why people are running around like, I'm 501c3, because it's just not <laughs> very easy to do. It's extremely yeah. tough to do. So we, we got that together, and then we decided to throw the event again. This time it was a two-day event, a little more brief than last year's, still focusing on uh, a lot of the same things and having performances and, and, and all of those things. And so this year it was great. We raised so much money and um, our beneficiary this year was the Knights and Orchids Society, which is a charity group out of Alabama focused on LGBTQ, black LGBTQ youth and teens and adults, just giving them the tools that they need that are missing from a lot of these um, uh, communities to, to move through life and, and have with, and be taken care of. People can go to blackqueertownhall.org to donate more. Honestly, though, this event isn't free. It's not happening alone. It is still just wild to me that, like, all these organizations with white leadership and mostly white employees were just asking drag performers to get into drag and then spend three hours on a Zoom call. That is just... And it was weird. It was like an unusual like merging of my worlds because it was like, get in drag, but then talk about racism. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm happy to do it, but I was like, okay, this is... And then we stopped doing it in drag. So it was like, come on, we're just going to talk to you. If this is serious and like, let me serious, then, then let's just focus on it. And so we did end up doing that but for Blackwood Town Hall we could present it any way we wanted to we did hold the event just this past weekend during Pride but people can can go and check it out day one is available on the website and day two will be up as soon as it's finished being edited uh, very soon on the on the website as well alright so hopefully by the time you're hearing this both days are up but you can go to blackqueertownhall.org you can donate you can watch both days both days are free throw this 501c3 a donation and help them out 501c3s are tax deductible no? yes they are Ah, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> yes. We love that status. All right. You're helping out and you're getting it back. And I do want to give, I not to skip back around, but I really, we have to give it up. I think that Lil Nas X didn't provide us with the queer moment at BET Awards. I just think that Lil Nas X should get the award for the whole year. Between the music video and SNL and now the BET Awards performance, it's like everything that young queer black kids needed to see for uh, validation. You know, it's so surprising to me, too, that like I think people really wanted to put him in a box very early on in his career and kind of write him off as sort of a one hit wonder. And to see him not only kind of defy that expectation, but also carve out room for himself in a very unique way as an unapologetic, Mm -hmm. sexually unabashed, gorgeous black queer man. 
man who is just having the time of his life. Like the way he tweets, he's like, I thought it'd be funny if we did this. And so we did it. And it's in the music video now. And it brings me joy. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I love that impetus and that impulse. And um, I don't know, seeing the way folks have reacted and embraced uh, him and seeing him even be so forthcoming about his own insecurities, you know, being open about his sexuality, Mm -hmm. about his artistry. It's just, it truly has been a joy ride. I don't know what sort of annual achievement award we need to give Lil Nas X, but I'm absolutely here for it. (laughs) I am here for it. All right. Okay. Today's episode is dedicated to Lil Nas X, brought to you by Love of Lil Nas X. That's, I'm absolutely, yes. Okay, Peppermint, before we go, I would love to actually ask you about being named the first ever ambassador to trans justice with the ACLU. This is brand new news to me. This sounds incredible. Yeah, I think we just are announcing it this week. Oh my God. Congratulations. It's really yeah. exciting. Thank you. I've always wanted to work with the ACLU in an official capacity and, you know, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> so there wasn't really a space for me to do that. She's not a paralegal. I'm not a paralegal, darling. <laughs> but maybe I can go online and, you know, do a little Kim Kardashian <laughs> moment. Who knows? I've always really been in awe of the work that ACLU does because they're out there at, at every courthouse, honey, um, at every trial, helping fight for equality for not just LGBTQ people, just everyone, you know, in terms of their um, civil rights. There's that piece, but then they're also, you know, on the internet and trying to educate people. They were at, you know, a lot of the BLM protests last year, educating people on the, uh, you know, protest safety and just like, if you get arrested by the cops, this is what you need to do. And so like all of those things is just provide such a service, you know, and I have a really great friend, Chase Strangio, who yes. is a brilliant attorney. Chase uh, invited me along with um, Laverne Cox and a few other people to Amazing. the Supreme Court two years ago, actually now to hear one of the cases. And so since then, I've had a really close relationship with the ACLU. And so I was so honored when they asked me to be their ambassador to trans justice. And which, what that means is basically I'll have uh, a little bit of a platform to go out and, and speak about a lot of the issues that are happening right now. You mentioned that the I think at the top of the show that legislators have turned their um, attention from, you know, marriage equality, which is obviously a done deal to trans people and, and trans people in sports, trans girls, black trans women. And so targeting uh, each of these groups and, and individuals and identities, we're, we're kind of vulnerable. And so my job is to help people understand what's happening, you know, on that landscape and what they can do to help with, with it. That sounds amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, I'm, they're an incredible organization. I mean, the way they supported Gavin Grimm in this case that mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, just ended up being a victory for him and so many trans mm-hmm. youth around the country, the way they've been bringing attention to, again, you know, so many of these battles are happening at the state level, at the city level, on school boards. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Chase especially and the folks over at the ACLU have been doing such a good job of finding things that are happening locally and bringing national attention to them, which is so hard because there are so many things fighting for our attention every day. So I am so glad that you will be joining that battle. I'm really thrilled to see the work you all do together. And congratulations again. That's great news. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Peppermint, before I let you go, we got to do something a little silly and frivolous, if I may. Okay. Yes, all please. Right. I would like to play a little game. We have a few games we play on here, but uh, this one I like to call Queerly Beloved, where we basically take a person, place, thing, trend from the past and eulogize it. Maybe it was gone too soon, right? I know you're having your 90s throwback moment, so I'm wondering if there is a, a thing, a person, a trend from the past that you think was gone too soon that needs to have its moment again. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, <laughs> that slap bracelets should come back because I, I mean, I think they might be starting to come back, but I just remember having 
so much fun with slap bracelets and collecting them. Um, that and jelly bracelets, which are like just rubber or plastic bracelets. I just want to see all of that. Just trash on your arm. It was like junk on your arm. <laughs> Two, five watches, f- friendship bracelets, slap <laughs> bracelets, rubber friend, uh, jelly bracelets, just all this like stuff stacked on your arm. I love that. And so that's what I, I'm hoping we will bring back. Gone too soon, but maybe we can bring them back in a more eco-friendly way. You know, uh, I don't know what that means because I I remember hearing that plastic shoes were like such a no-no back in the day because they just were not, because they were like not fashionable. But now like is, is vegan leather plastic? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. And if it is, then <laughs> is it just the same thing by another name? I don't know. But that's what I have to say. <laughs> we keep fighting these same battles over and over again. Well, we ever win. I do. I love the jelly bracelets just stacked like like uh, gold bangles on my mom's arm when we go back to Puerto Rico for a family <laughs> event. Just all the way up to the elbow. I love it. We're bringing it back. Get your jelly. Yeah. Do, do you remember that era where jelly bracelets, people thought jelly bracelets were like a secret sexual code? This was when I was like in middle school. We weren't allowed to no. wear them because apparently they were, they were called sex bracelets. And if you snap them off, it meant you had done something. <laughs> Honey, honey. The Central Florida public yeah. school system was scandalized. <laughs> scandalized. Oh my gosh. Central Florida. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, no, I, I don't remember that, but I think it's great. And maybe we can bring it back in that capacity now, because honey, my bracelets will look a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> Than they did in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're we're getting jelly bracelets are the new hanky code. That's that's what we got going on. All right, we're starting it here. This is a new trend. I'm thrilled. Peppermint, thank you so much for coming on. I've had so much fun today. It's hot and sweaty, gross as it is outside. Um, you have been truly an inspiration, a refreshing presence. And I need mm. to ask before I let you go, I'm sure people know, but where can we find you and your fantastic projects that you're working on or soon to be released online? Where would you like folks? to search for you. Well, please go to my social media, which is Peppermint247 on all platforms to hear about not only Black Queer Town Hall, which you can go to the website, blackqueertownhall.org, or my music, like Here For It, the music video on my YouTube, uh, which is also Peppermint247, and um, the single, which you can stream on anywhere you stream your music of Here For It. And then once you're done that, please go and buy a copy, buy a copy, a vinyl copy of my album, A Girl like me letters to my lovers which is currently out and also able to available to be streamed and the music videos for that best sex will you still love me tomorrow and every morning featuring Leif ashley are available on my youtube as well amazing well thank you again so much peppermint i wish we could stay on a full hour this was over too soon this is my queerly beloved i want another version of this episode (laughs) hopefully sometime in the future but truly it's been a blast and it's just such a pleasure to have you on so thank you my pleasure thank you please make sure that you support the qwerty podcast if you're listening uh subscribe rate and review right now wherever you get your podcasts and you can get your qwerty fix every day at www.qwerty.com qwerty has been a joint production between forever dog and q digital qwerty is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lani Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Tracy Soren, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Montz. Forever! Yeah.